Hello, this is Ed Markey speaking. Welcome to the Ed Markey Podcast. Okay, so... Let me know. So welcome to uh, another podcast, and I have with me today Jamal Bowman, who is a congressman from the Bronx. But before that, he was a school teacher yes. in the Bronx. He was a principal in the Bronx. Uh, so he's an education expert, but he's also somebody who believes in climate justice, in the threat that climate poses to our public school system. And Congressman Bowman and I have introduced the Green New Deal for public schools. So yes. can you tell me why that is so important to you? Well, we have to save our planet first and foremost. We only have one and uh, the climate uh, catastrophe is impacting the entire planet. And we have to shift every institution from our dependency on fossil fuels towards completely green, clean, renewable energy. And school buildings are a major part of that. You know, school buildings uh, run on fossil fuels. They're, many of them are have old infrastructure, so they're literally crumbling. We have issues of lead uh, in the water in schools. We have, we have mold, we have mildew, we have rodent infestations in some schools. And so it's important for us to uh, reinvest in our schools, rebuild our public school infrastructure. And it's important for us to do this, particularly in historically marginalized communities. So Title I schools and low-income communities, we target there, we rebuild the physical infrastructure, but then we also shift the mindset and consciousness of everyone in the community. And so the Green New Deal for public schools has to be uh, part of the Green New Deal in, uh, in, uh, infrastructure, institution, initiative, uh, so that we could get this done in Congress for the entire country. So could you talk a little bit about environmental justice yeah. and the quality of too many public schools in our country in terms of even having air conditioning, uh, even, you know, having this late, at this late date, having removed the the lead, remove the asbestos That's right. the schools, which are a danger to kids. No, absolutely. So the school that I founded, the Cornerstone Academy for Social Action Middle School, I founded the school in 2009. It was a brand new school building, so it's not very old, just a little over 10 years old. And um, the beginning of this school year in that school, uh, there was no air conditioning uh, working in the school. And, you know, when you go back to school in the beginning of September or late August, we're still... It's still summertime. It is super hot. Kids were sitting in, you know, 80-degree classrooms or above, and, you know, it's unhealthy. <laughs> they get sick in that environment. That's one example. Another example is um, in many schools in New York City and across the country. And by the way, uh, yeah. and by the way, it just snowed in New York City for the first time yeah, in two in years. in two years. In two so years. it's getting warm It's getting warm. City. It's getting warm. Also, in, in that school and many other schools, kids can't even drink from the water fountains because of the high uh, presence of lead in the water uh, in, in, in that school and many other schools. Um, HVAC systems are out of date. Um, faucets do not work in bathrooms uh, because of old infrastructure. Um, you know, I mentioned rodent infestation in some of the older buildings in, in places like Detroit. This has been a huge issue as well. There are schools without um, 
uh, windows uh, in some places so you don't get any circulation. And then the Bronx is, is particularly prevalent because of the cross sections of highways that operate in the Bronx, from the Cross Bronx Expressway to the Henry Hutchinson Parkway. That's one of the reasons why you're five times more likely to die of asthma if you are a child in the Bronx than anywhere else mm. in the country. So it's the school building itself, but it's also the communities in which the schools exist. Now, part of this Green New Deal for public schools is also investing in teachers. Yes. Investing in the funding. That's which right every public school should have access to so that there's a democratization of access to opportunity through education and it's not divided along whether you live in a wealthy suburb or you live in urban America. That's right. So jobs, 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 right? So construction jobs, union jobs, but also jobs for teachers, jobs for teacher assistants, jobs for school counselors, jobs for mentors and and coaching. The, the exciting thing about the Green New Deal in general and the Green New Deal for schools specifically is it's, it's our opportunity to rebuild the economy. It's our Works Progress Administration moment in America where we're going to create millions of jobs, millions of good-paying union jobs in a variety of areas to rebuild our economies. And, and the, the, the communities in which we're targeting are really important because these are communities that have been underinvested in for so long. So we need workforce development programs in these communities, beginning as young as we can, to make sure kids have the education they need and the workforce development they need. So that's teachers, again, school counselors, mentors, coaches, teachers, assistants, but also construction jobs as well. Um, that's what we need. When you, were made, when you made reference to the Works Progress Administration, not mm-hmm. everyone... <coughs> Excuse don't me. necessarily knows what mm-hmm. you're referring to. And so that goes back to the 1930s. Mm-hmm. President Roosevelt sees at the, at the height of the Depression, you can't balance the budget. You have to invest in America if you That's want right. to come out of it. And so even in my own hometown of uh, Malden, Massachusetts, which is a blue-collar community, mm-hmm. they still have up the plaque in the high school, Walden High School, mm-hmm. of the Works Progress Administration That's coming right. in to help the educational system in Malden in the 1930s. So this is not a revolutionary idea. It's no. an old idea made new again by the challenges of today. Yes, investing in the American people, investing in our most vulnerable communities and all communities. I mean, when you make those investments, you, you get a huge return in terms of our overall GDP, but also in terms of lower costs in areas like healthcare, lower costs in areas like jails and prisons and the justice system, and huge economic benefits to individuals, families, community, and the entire country. So it's a win-win-win. You invest in people and you have incredible outcomes. And that's what the Green New Deal for Schools are all about. So it's kind of interesting that that previous generation that was much less wealthy yes. than this generation of Americans in general, they were building beautiful red brick schools. They were building beautiful hospitals on top of the hill. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And today, too many people say, oh, we can't afford to do that. <laughs> and you say, well, you're at least three or four times wealthier than the preceding generation, which had wisdom, foresight, and investment in the future. Mm-hmm. So... That's how I view the Green New Deal for public schools. It's just trying to channel the wisdom of earlier generations that 
Yeah. Even though they weren't the beneficiaries of it necessarily, they knew the country would be. Well, there, there's also there was also an investment in like human capital, and and human potential, um, and our own self determination. And when we talk about wealth, the wealth of of human ingenuity, um, that is priceless, right? And so that exists today, um, and is something that we have undermined and not tapped into enough over the last several several decades. And so. Yes, we are wealthier in terms of our financial wealth, but that human wealth, just the capacity for people to be innovative um, and, and build things and create things, uh, we still have that, even more so today than we did back then, to your point. And so, uh, you know, we got big fossil fuel tycoons controlling Congress and as a result of that and many other special interests, we're not really tapping into uh, the human capacity in the way we should be. Yeah, and we're still giving tax breaks to the oil and gas and coal industry. Yeah. And you have other people who are saying, but we can't have tax breaks for wind and solar and energy efficiency yeah. and all electric vehicles and the public school system That's in right. the United States. That's right. Yeah, it, it's a... Uh, you know, we, we've, we've given so much power to the private sector, and uh, the private sector is undermining our ability to really invest in people. And, and that's the paradigm shift, and that's the behavior that needs to change. Yeah, so we need livable future options for everyone, no matter where they live. But it has to start in the first grade or kindergarten when kids are just beginning the school system man it has to start at birth it has to start, it has to start right now from our our hospitals our hospitals need to be green um our communities need to be green our schools need to be green um i mean it's just healthier you know there was a study that showed um the the lack of um green spaces in the community actually contributes to a rise in crime um, because the, the, the heat that comes off of the pavement uh, impacts the, the cognitive development, psychology, and health of the people there and make them more stressed and frustrated, which leads to a rise in harm within that community. So actually more trees, more green spaces, more fields absorbs that heat so the people don't absorb it and thus leads to better, again, uh, public safety outcomes in that community. So it's it's across the board. Yeah. So my father drove a truck for the Hood Milk Company, delivering milk, and his son is a United States senator. So you know that was not on the scoreboard <laughs> on the day that I was born. So that's really a, a fear that I have is that too many people look at the kids who are coming up today. And oh they yeah. Go, oh, they're not as good as the last generation. Oh, they're yeah. not as deserving, and they got this crazy. Green New Deal mm -hmm. philosophy, too, which is completely unrealistic. Mm -hmm. So what do you say to those oil company executives or rich fat cats that just yeah. don't want any part of their fortune used in order to create a green environment for school kids today? Yeah, I mean, for them, I know it's about power and control and maintaining their wealth and control of the U.S. economy. I mean, I, you know, my, my mother was a postal worker, right? Mm -hmm. and, and now I'm a U.S. congressman, and so... And I'm an educator, so I know I'm biased, but our kids, regardless of background, regardless of circumstances, uh, have unlimited potential. And this 
idea, this vision, a Green New Deal, is about us unlocking and tapping into that potential for the betterment of society. Um, and the fossil fuel companies, you know, if they're open to a just transition, which we are trying to work with them to make sure happens, uh, they can help us build this better world. And they don't have to continue to get billions in tax, tax breaks and control these large segments of the economy that they do. Yeah, and when we were drafting the Green New Deal, yes, we talked about the climate crisis. Yes, we talked about mm -hmm. the solutions, you know, renewable energy. But we then added in a, a section that talked about intersectionality, mm -hmm. talked about black and brown and uh, marginalized communities historically to make sure we were mm -hmm. dealing with the environmental justice issues. And then we took Franklin Delano Roosevelt's 1944 inaugural address. Mm -hmm. And in it, he called for... Everyone is entitled to a job. Everyone is entitled to health care. Everyone is entitled to an yeah. education. Everyone is entitled to a vacation. So we put that in, and all the Fox News people decided to call that socialism. And we said, no, that's Franklin Delano Roosevelt. This is not <laughs> new. This is what has always been the aspiration, or should be, for our country. Yeah, I mean, you know, we have socialism for the wealthy, um, and capitalism for everyone else to fight and scratch and claw and kill each other for scarce resources. But, you know, to your point, you know, we should have a federal jobs guarantee and all the other things that you mentioned. Again, if we have those things, our economy is better and stronger for it in the long term. And then I keep going back to this. We spend way less on uh, our justice system, which incarcerates people uh, for minor things in many parts of the country. And these are people who could be out contributing to the economy. Um, again, you, you have better health outcomes when, when people have access and opportunity and less stress and trauma in their lives. Right now, because we have a limited economy that only benefits a small percentage of people, there's a preponderance of stress and trauma in historically marginalized communities that manifests into harm for individuals and everyone within that community. And so investing in those communities with workforce development programs, green infrastructure, education, et cetera, reverses that trend and puts them and all of us on a pathway to better outcomes. You know, and because of the war on drugs, we incarcerated 2 million African-American right. <laughs> young men in our country. And we owe an apology to that entire generation yeah. of African-American young men because if we had invested the same amount of money in their education as we did in their incarceration, yeah. we would have a far different country that we were living in today. Yeah, and that yeah. all comes back to a Green New Deal for public schools, that we're making the investment in the community That's up front. It. That's it. And and add to the, the two million incarcerated probation and parole, which disenfranchises millions of people um, and takes away opportunity to even get back on your feet and get back into the workplace. And, you know, one of the reasons why so many industrial jobs left the African-American community in particular is because of globalization. You know, again, these large companies were a part of a race to the bottom to find cheap labor in all parts of the world. And those factory jobs left, not just black and brown communities, but many working class white communities as well. Um, and those jobs were never replaced with anything. And so, again, you bring now, you know, the, the the numbers game and crack cocaine and, and, and heroin and, 
you know, addiction then entered our communities, and that was the economy that people survived on while killing their own people. Yeah. It's self-destruction. So, so now, if I can, and, and by the way, you're so great. Thank you for of course. being here. Thank you but, for your leadership. But now we're going to play a game. Okay. I like to call Big Oil <laughs> a movie villain. Okay. Big Oil a movie villain. All right. And I'll read you a quote, and you tell me whether you think the person who said it was a big oil executive or a movie villain. <laughs> okay. Who said it? So here's the first one. You know, the winds are such that it would be difficult to categorize them all. Uh, that's a movie villain. Well, <laughs> the correct answer is Dan Easley of ExxonMobil. <laughs> Uh, and who said that? Now that's interesting because I don't know a lot of big oil uh, yeah. wind since the Green New Deal got yeah. introduced. Uh -huh. But that's Exxon Mobil. So okay, want another round? Yes, of All course. Right, We're gonna keep playing until I get okay. two in a row. Yeah, you're gonna get. Oh, it. let me let me get one first, okay. and then we'll so, see about two. Okay, here's the next one. <laughs> okay, if you're good at something, never do it for free. Oh, if, that, you, okay. if you're good at something, never do it that, for that's, free. That's oil, big oil executive or movie villain. Is that big oil? That's big oil. Well, the correct answer is the Joker in oh, The Dark Knight. Oh, my goodness. Uh, but, but again, you're so right because big oil would never do anything for free. So it does apply to both That sounds them. like something big oil, but they probably wouldn't say it out loud. Yeah, or maybe they would. It away. All right, hold on. we got to keep going. I'm going to get okay, the next one. Hold sorry, on. One more. All right. And the next one is... We are not selling a product that is evil. We are not selling a product that is evil. These are hard, man. Big oil, man. That's a Big guess. Big oil. Mike Worth. All right. CEO of Chevron. Uh, that was a trick trick question uh -huh. since they are selling a product which is evil. That's right. That's no, right. They're warming the planet. <laughs> they're tipping consumers upside down at the pump to shake money out of their pockets to then endanger the planet. So you are so right. On that and didn't we know about this? This is the other thing. You said that was ExxonMobil mm -hmm. CEO? Yep, Chevron. Chevron? Didn't we know about the damage Big Oil does to the planet? Didn't we know about this like 50, 60 years ago? And wasn't there a campaign to bury the information so that we wouldn't, you know, hurt the bottom line in the pockets of oil executives? I believe that's the case, isn't it? It is the case. And in the same way the tobacco industry knew yes. that their product actually caused lung cancer, but tried to hide it. Yes. The oil industry then hired the very same PR people mm -hmm. to hide wow. the damage that the oil, gas, and coal wow. did to the public health in the United States. Do you hear this, America? Do you hear what the heck is going on here? This is why the campaign for a Green New Deal has to be implemented and enacted into law, and we need your help. This is crazy, what, they, what Senator Markey just said. It's unbelievable. So, Jamal Bowman, a voice for the future. And we're just so fortunate to have him on here. Thank you. Uh, the author of The Green New Deal for Public Schools. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It was awesome.